0: This is the English
1: Heritage Podcast.
0: Hello and welcome along to your weekly podcast, Into England's Past. I'm Charles Rowe. Coming up, we're at one of London's hidden gems, Kenwood.
1: The Kenwood Estate is on the edge of Hampstead Heath and it is a really beautiful place to come, particularly on a lovely spring day when all the blossom is coming out.
0: We also discover why it was given to the nation.
1: It was under threat from developers but Lord Ivor gave Kenwood House, the estate and 63 of his finest paintings to the nation on the stipulation that it would be free of charge
0: and we hear about its amazing collection of art. Plenty more to come on that shortly, but first let's get a quick glimpse into what else you can hear on future episodes of the English Heritage
1: Podcast. I work as a visual artist. This is the first time they will have done it at Stonehenge. But what really interests me is heritage and craft and kind of how we connect to the landscape that we live in and also how we care for the places that we live in.
0: He actually ended up having two memorial services, one as Eric Blair for his family, and one as George Orwell. And I think that's an interesting point, because I think a lot of people who are in the public eye do find it helpful to be able to draw a distinction between their private life and their life as a a sort of a famous person.
1: There is so much that you can draw from what people are wearing at any particular period in time. Unpicking these codes, unpicking different layers of dress history can really offer great insight into the past.
0: Make sure you stay subscribed to stay up to date. Now, England's capital city, London, is well known for an array of historical buildings, several of those being, of course, cared for by English heritage. Among them is Kenwood in North London on the edge of Hampstead Heath. It's a beautiful home inside and out, which is where I met assistant curator Louise Cooling. It must be Louise.
1: Hi Charles, welcome to Kenwood. Lovely to meet you. And you. Shall we go in? Absolutely, come on through. Thank you.
0: There we go, ladies first. Thank you.
1: So tell me
0: where we have arrived first of
1: all. So we are in the entrance hall of Kenwood House. One of the rooms remodelled by Robert Adam, the great neoclassical architect for William Murray, 1st Earl of Mansfield, who bought Kenwood in 1754 and transformed it into the striking neoclassical villa we see today.
0: Beautiful blue colours in terms of paintwork. slightly darker for the doors and also some white edging uh, for the shutters and also the the squares and rectangles around the doors and we're surrounded by statues and paintings as well beautiful entrance it
1: is it's wonderful and we have one of robert adams original ceilings one of the relatively few to survive here at kenwood This room was both an entrance hall and a dining room during Lord Mansfield's day. And so the stucco work ceiling and painted panels in the ceiling all reference dining. So we have the figure of Bacchus, god of wine, and Sarah's goddess of agriculture and crops in the central roundel and then we have this wonderful stucco work wreath of grapevines and then corn husks picked out in the stucco work as well so it all ties in with that theme of dining it's a real
0: treat when you first arrive must say yes. Plus we've got the fire roaring (laughs) up to our left here as well, which is nice. But also the first thing that obviously strikes you as you arrive at Kenwood is that it's free to enter.
1: Absolutely. We are free to enter and open more than 360 days a year, so quite a treat in London.
0: Well, let's move on to some other rooms, shall we?
1: Let's head through to the real masterpiece of Kenwood, Robert Adams' great library.
0: We've arrived just outside the library. There's a talk going on at the moment, so we're not going to interrupt. But we are on the south side of the building, looking towards the lake. And again, all this is free to enjoy. Who made the enjoyment of Kenwood House free for the nation?
1: So we have Edward Cecil Guinness, 1st Earl of Ivor, to thank for that. Lord Ivor was head of the Guinness Brewing family and was a wealthy Anglo-Irish landowner and he became a resident of Hampstead in the early 20th century around the time that the sixth Earl of Mansfield then the owner of Kenwood was looking to sell the property and it was under threat from developers but Lord Ivor saved it for the nation and he gave Kenwood House the estate 74 acres around the house and 63 of his finest paintings to the nation on the stipulation that it would be free of charge.
0: Okay, let's move to the far end of the library now. Why am I whispering? (laughs) We're in a library, that's why. Isn't that funny?
1: You feel the need to be hushed here. So
0: we've come to the end of the library. There's um, a bust behind us on a marble plinth, two giant columns. We're surrounded by a sort of semicircle of books again by the light blue sort of duck egg blue paint, which seems to be de rigueur in the house.
1: Absolutely, yeah, so Kenwood is the product of the great neoclassical architect Robert Adam and his brother James who extensively remodelled almost every room in the late 18th century for William Murray, 1st Earl of Mansfield, who was Lord Chief Justice at the time and one of the most important barristers in the history of British law. Um, And this was the real masterpiece of Kenwood. It is the highlight of any visit here. Kenwood is a villa rather than a stately home and... The rooms are quite modest, and so that blue colour scheme that recurs throughout was a way for Adam to create a cohesive whole and to make the rooms seem larger and area because they're all sort of integrated together.
0: This is certainly a large room. Yes, um, how tall would you say that ceiling is? Maybe 25 it's, feet it's or a, so?
1: Yeah, it's, it's a little bit shy of 30 feet. Um, it's not
0: completely flat, is it? It's, it's, it's not. It's, 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 it's curved.
1: It's a semicircular curve with two apsidal ends. It's actually based on a Roman thermae or public bathhouse. Um, Robert Adam um, and his brother James were both interested in classical antiquity and they spent a lot of time traveling in Italy so very much inspired by what they saw there
0: and we get the same effect with the columns at either end which are symmetrical
1: yes yeah you'll see a lot of symmetry and harmony of proportion here at Kenwood not only in the rooms themselves but also in the pieces of furniture that Adam designed for Kenwood
0: well let's have a look at some paintings shall we and let's get deeper into the collection this is obviously still a masterpiece, but it's a masterpiece that you can stand in.
1: Yeah, a masterpiece that you can stand in. I think Kenwood is, that's a very good description of Kenwood, a masterpiece that you can walk around.
0: Right, where are we going now?
1: So we are heading through into the dining room, which is where some of our greatest paintings are housed. As I said, we have Lord Ivor to thank, not only for the fact that Kenwood is free, but also that we have a world-class collection of paintings. He was a significant art collector. He amassed his collection of more than 300 paintings in a relatively short period of time at the end of the 19th century, just four years. And then when he acquired Kenwood and decided to give it to the nation in the early 20th century, the house was of course empty because Lord Mansfield, when he had sold Kenwood, had also sold the contents. And so, Lord Ivor selected uh, 63 of his finest paintings and he wanted to create the sense of an 18th century country gentleman's home. And so the paintings he was selecting were really close to the tastes of the 18th century country gentleman. In this room, we have a really remarkable collection of Dutch and Flemish paintings, primarily from the 17th century, um, with a few English 18th century portraits thrown in for good measure. Highlights in this room certainly are wonderful Rembrandt self-portrait, which is probably our fa- most famous painting, but also incredibly beautiful portrait by Franz Hals, and a painting by Vermeer, which we currently have a, quite a large group of visitors looking at.
0: I must say, we haven't gone that far from the library, but suddenly the sound has changed in this room. Because, well, we've got carpet on the floor for a start. There is wood around it, a wooden floor, but it's almost as if the very dark, sort of mauve-coloured curtains and wallpaper—it yeah, so feels like it's absorbing a lot of yeah, sound. It will be absorbing it's a different sound in here.
1: Yeah, it is. And actually, this is a later part of the building, and so. The the two wings, um, which include the dining room, the dining room lobby, the green room and the music room at either end of the house, were added in 1815. Uh, uh, sorry, in 1796, they were redecorated in 1815, so we're in a slightly later part of the building. This room didn't exist in Robert Adams' day.
0: That's interesting. What is the, the mauve sort of... Coloured so wallpaper. Um, is it
1: wallpaper? It is. Um, it's a silk. It's a flocked silk, which uh, was very popular during the period that these rooms uh, were, were decorated. So the decoration of the two wing rooms is based on a scheme that was implemented in 1815. So uh, yes, this sort of deep red wallpaper is a flocked silk.
0: And is it important to have that colour in here because of? light is there any danger of you know light bouncing around and affecting the paintings it would
1: certainly affect the way that you look at the paintings i think it's um it's obviously important to protect historic collections from extremes of light and temperature and relative humidity so we do carefully control the environment here at kenwood i think that this deep crimson colour really works with the aesthetic of these paintings so they are as I said primarily Dutch and Flemish 17th century works and there was a real fashion in the 17th century in the Netherlands for leather wallpaper which was often embossed and was usually of a dark colour and so it's quite appropriate to have a similar sort of aesthetic in these rooms and and I think it really works for the beautiful paintings
0: Absolutely and I think the dark background helps bring out the faces and the expressions and the light and dark, light and shade within the actual paintings.
1: Absolutely. It would be wonderful to be able to talk to you about the Vermeer a little more because it is one of our most important paintings. It's one of only five Vermeers in the United Kingdom and one of only around 36 known works by Vermeer in the entire world. So an incredibly special painting to have here at Kenwood.
0: We've had some other visitors enter the room but we can now get a complete view of the Johannes Vermeer guitar player but (laughs) the face looks quite generic in a way
1: she's not a portrait she's not a specific person she's almost an archetype in a way and you can see that the figure is really far forward in the picture plane so far forward in fact that part of her arm her elbow her right elbow is cropped off the edge of the canvas and her bent knee on which she's resting the guitar pushes right out into our space and Vermeer um, is famous for his use of light and playing with light but usually we can see the window but here he crops off the window so we can see a little bit of the curtain and some light peeking around sort of diffusing across the canvas but we don't see the source of the light itself but we see what it does to her um, her wonderful sumptuous silk costume Um, her dress it has an almost foil like finish and then in the diffused light we can see the kind of soft blurred quality of her fur lined jacket And her face, although it's partly caught by the light from the window, is largely in shadow, and that's because she's turned away. She's looking away from us as the viewer, as though somebody has just walked into the room and interrupted her. I was
0: thinking that maybe she's taking a lesson.
1: (laughs) Well, there's so much ambiguity in it, that ambiguous uh, expression on her face, which is really amplified by the shadows and the fact that we can't really see her face. And we also can't see what she's looking at. So perhaps she's taking a lesson or perhaps somebody's just walked into the room and interrupted her and we don't know whether that's a pleasant interruption or perhaps she's irritated. There's so much ambiguity and that's what Vermeer does so beautifully he captures this moment in time and freezes it for us and leaves us wondering about what will come next
0: and that flushed cheek is also ambiguous because it looks like maybe she's been caught playing the master's musical instrument
1: a popular theme in a lot of Vermeer's paintings was courtship and so perhaps the person who's interrupted her is somebody that she's interested in in a romantic way and she's blushing
0: Oh, well, on that note, I'll leave the guitar player to uh, flirt with whoever's come into the room, I suppose. Where should we go next? Should
1: we head through into the music room where we have some of our best uh, 18th century portraits by Gainsborough and Reynolds?
0: Right, we appear to have walked in a kind of an L shape. Yes. So we're, which side are we on now?
1: So we are now on the west side and we're in one of those wings that was added uh, right at the end of the 18th century to add some extra space so now we're in the music room
0: and there are lots of paintings, even larger ones than the previous rooms, (laughs) these ones probably verging on sort of nine feet tall by about five foot wide.
1: So we have most of our full-length portraits by the two giants of British 18th century portraiture, um, Thomas Gainsborough and Joshua Reynolds. Most of these are beyond life-size so we're looking at canvases a little over eight feet tall and we have six of them in this room, so uh, really a lot of paintings.
0: Which would you say is your favourite painting in here from Uh, Gainsborough or Reynolds? I think it
1: has to be Gainsborough's iconic portrait of Mary Countess Howe. It was only Gainsborough's third full-length portrait of a lady. Mary was the daughter of a wealthy landowner, but she wasn't born into the aristocracy, she married into it. This portrait is a real marriage of a great artist who uh, had ambitions to be the greatest portrait painter of his day, and a woman who was wanting to make her position in the aristocracy really clear. Countess Howe was a very fashionable woman, so she didn't want to be portrayed in sort of timeless classical dress as many sitters of the day wanted to have their portrait painted, she wanted to be painted in the most fashionable dress and accessories of the period. So she's wearing this beautiful pink silk gown. With an overlay. It's a gauzy apron, um, and then triple ruffles of lace at her elbow. And then real arsenal of accessories that she's got on, including... A pearl choker, and we've, yeah, got, we've got buckled strings, shoes. Five strings of pearls. These quite masculine black buckled shoes with a, a high baroque heel, entirely inappropriate for going walking in the garden.
0: We are obviously in the music room. We're talking all about painting still. We are. But we do have musical instruments surrounding us. We have a harp to one corner. We've got an organ, what it looks yeah. like and I believe on our left, underneath Mary Countess Howe, is a harpsichord.
1: It's actually a piano. No! (laughs) And uh, I thought yeah.
0: I knew my musical instruments. <laughs> so is, that's an early piano. It
1: is an early piano rather than a harpsichord. You wouldn't be the first person to make that mistake. Yes, this is the music room, and so appropriately we have musical instruments and they are occasionally played. We have recitals here occasionally.
0: Are these all Absolutely. the instruments we've got in here? Just yes. the harp, the organ and, and the, the piano? piano.
1: Yes. And, of course, we have a music stand. Oh, yes, of course. (laughs) But it faces two
0: ways. So it almost looks as though uh, someone could be doing a duet. Yeah. Perhaps you could
1: have a singer and uh, an instrument accompanying them.
0: And, of course, pre-electricity, it's got the (laughs) built-in candle holders for either side.
1: And, of course, uh, music was a very popular after-dinner activity. The ladies of the house would often uh, play and sing to entertain guests after dinner in the 18th and 19th century and so having candles on your music stand was very useful.
0: Would the men join in on that as well or would they have more been in other rooms smoking and (laughs) drinking and talking about politics?
1: Um, I, I entirely possibly they would often join the ladies later and be impressed by the musical performances of the the young ladies
0: It sounds um, very, very refined, I must say. (laughs) Well, this brings us back to where we started, Louise. Right by the south view of the lake, and we can see all the landscape of Kenwood, and even the blossom is out on the trees.
1: Yeah, beautiful magnolia tree,
0: which is lovely. What are you working on at the moment? Is there anything particular that people can look forward to if they're planning a trip?
1: Absolutely. So 2019 is the 350th anniversary of the death of Rembrandt. And that anniversary is being commemorated all over the world by different collections who have Rembrandt's. And we are lucky enough here at Kenwood to have one of Rembrandt's greatest late self-portraits, his self-portrait with two circles. And so at the moment, um, I and my colleagues are working on um, a temporary display, which will be opening in the autumn to mark that anniversary.
0: I suppose the last thing to cover, there's so much to look at in the house in terms of the paintings and the musical instruments. The books, the ceilings, all the different coloured walls and the gilding, and the furniture. But one of the main things, I suppose, is the grounds. We've got a massive 105-acre estate, is that right?
1: So the Kenwood Estate is on the edge of Hampstead Heath and it is a really beautiful place to come, particularly on a, a lovely spring day when all the blossom is coming out. And we get lots and lots of dog walkers come and visit our cafe here. But it would be wonderful if we could have lots of those people without their dogs (laughs) coming into the house. Because I think a lot of people know Hampstead Heath very well and and enjoy the Kenwood estate. But don't know that just beyond the walls of Kenwood house lurks this amazing art collection and this wonderful neoclassical villa. And it's all free.
0: Absolutely. It's a real gem nestling in in North London, isn't it?
1: It is. One of London's great hidden gems.
0: You've been listening to the English Heritage Podcast. To find out more about Kenwood's collections, just head to the Kenwood page of the English Heritage website. We're back next week meeting the artist behind a brand new contemporary art exhibition at Stonehenge. So make sure you join us.